Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's what's your your weird story? Hello, Weirdsville. This is your co-host, Barry Johnston. We're here to walk down the lane of Weirdsville here on What's Your Weird Story? With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Adam Beebe. How are you, Adam? I am doing all right. Thank you for asking. How are you, sir? Doing well. Doing well. I Real quick, I want to apologize for something I said the last episode. I misspoke and uh, accidentally uh, I, I called George uh, Floyd George Flynn. My apologies. Uh, I just wanted to mm. state that real quick. Just a, just a lapse in my brain is all that was. So uh, my apologies about that. And uh, we're looking forward to this week. So, yeah, we are... Here once again uh, on the for the What's Your Weird Story podcast, and we have uh, been waiting to share this particular episode with you guys. Uh, we have got with us today one Mr. Jeff Woolwine. Yes, and uh, Jeff has got a lot to tell us. He's got a lot to share. He is a uh, he's a researcher. And a uh, an author, and he has been a talking head on TV. Um, you know what that means when the talking head is a person who you know they just show from the neck up and they're interviewed. Um, in case you're ever wondering where the uh, the name of the band Talking Heads come from, that's where it comes from. That's from news. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. great. So he's been a talking head on um, not in the band, but on the uh, on, on TV, and uh, on, but he is a um, and he's been an experiencer of aliens or UFOs in particular, or UAPs, or maybe something else altogether. He's got uh, he's made it really. This is his life work, I suppose yeah. you would say, wouldn't you, Bear? Oh yeah, he's really done a ton of research he's devoted his life to it so so much that he's moved across the the uh, country to uh to to get to the bottom of some of this stuff and it's it's really quite interesting um he's he's really he's he's good at painting the picture of this world mm. that um that you know he claims that exists and uh it's pretty fascinating it was a really good interview and yeah. we, we were happy to get him on we found Jeff uh, through Facebook, his uh, his wife first contacted me, and then uh, he and I exchanged some emails about uh, what he's been researching and devo- and and you know what he's witnessed, and he's here to tell us all about uh, the Phoenix Lights and Phoenix, Arizona area in general. So there's a lot of information that is going to be here. He is full of information. A lot of is very rapid fire. Um, he was able to answer questions before we could finish getting them out of our mouth. Sometimes he knew what was coming up. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so it's just, uh, it's, it was, it's, it's cool, man. It's a lot of fun. And like we said, it's a lot of information and, um, we're just real, uh, happy to have, uh, Jeff on and had a discussion lecture, uh, <laughs> for us. So, 
So we hope you enjoy it as well. So, uh, Jeff, thank you for joining us. What's your weird story? Hey, great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Uh, okay. You know, wow. You know, what a story to tell. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, I, we're going to start off, you know, so I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. I grew up there. I lived there. And, uh, you know, over the years, you know, especially, you know, when I started reaching, you know, fifth, sixth grade, you know, I'd, I'd be out playing catch football with my dad and, and here would be this white dot in the sky, you know, and uh, or, or or later on, I would see some kind of light in the sky, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, being a kid, you know, you know, it's like, you're just like, oh, hey, what's that, you know, and then you're off to playing something else. And then, you know, you go to school and you start talking about it, you know, and and then one of your, uh, you know, one of your friends who happened to be Native American, um, <clears throat> you know, you ask him, hey, did you see that light last night in the sky? And, uh, you know, my friend's like, oh, yeah, you know, my grandfather says that those lights, you know, live in the mountains over there. And he pointed westward towards the uh, White Tank Mountains in Phoenix, Arizona. And, you know, being a kid, you know, he's just like, oh, okay, just blowing it off, blah, blah, blah. But later, you know, we're talking like 20 years later, you know, you're, you're an adult and you just, everywhere you seem to go, uh, you know, you see these things in the sky. <clears throat> You know, I've traveled all over, uh, all over um, United States. You know, I was there during 9/11 in New York. I was up, I was upstate in New York, and uh, when 9/11 happened in 2001, and uh, when during the no-fly zone, you know, there was nothing supposed to be in, in the sky. You know, for at least a week. Right. You know, and and uh, I'm a single dad. I got an apartment out there on a huge hill. Uh, 150 miles away from uh, Ground Zero 9/11 in Corny, New York, and uh, you know my son's out there playing on a hill, and he comes running to the window. Hey, Dad, Dad, a UFO, UFO! So I go running to the window, and sure enough, man, I look up, and within like a thousand or two feet, right above our heads, is what looks like four silver spheres. They're connected together, and. The only way I can really ex- explain on what these things kind of resembled is, you know, the, the kids jumping jacks, you know, the ball and the jacks, mm-hmm. bounce the ball, pick up the jacks. That's exactly what this thing looked like. It was four spheres wow. connected mm. together, moving counterclockwise, going over our going over our heads. And uh, my my son's friends just like, oh, that's probably an airplane or something. And I'm like, dude, that is not an airplane. You know, <laughs> yeah. I have no clue what the hell that is, man. And we sat there, we watched it go over our heads until it re- until it reached a, a nearby park. And uh, something caught my eye to the right of it. And I looked up, and here comes another one. This was just a singular sphere, and it had a red tip and a white tail, and it was heading right towards that, right towards those jacks. Well, I lost it in in the trees, you know, because you know there's trees in our way, and I lost it. And uh, you know, I was seeing you know these UFOs, like I said before, growing up. I mean, before we moved to New York, you know, we witnessed the light. Out there in in uh, on the east side of Phoenix, Arizona, known as Mesa, we saw a light out there, and uh, you know I, I saw this huge-looking cigar-looking thing uh, above my house, heading south towards South Mountain. You know, so I'm seeing these things in Phoenix all my life. Then I moved to New York. Boom, 9/11. Boom, no-fly zone. Boom, here comes the Jacks. You know, and I'm like, dude. 
you know, I've got to find out what the hell is going on here, man. You know, I, I've gone with other, you know, UFO researchers. You know, I've gone with Roswell. I've gone with spaceships. I've gone with crafts. You know, a little gray man running around everywhere. You know, but the things that I'm seeing in the sky just really didn't seem to add up what everybody else was claiming that these UFOs were. So in 2004, I decided to go back to Phoenix because, you know, everybody knows about the 1997, March 13th, Phoenix Lights event. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was not can a you, witness hey, to that. Jeff, Jeff, can you can you talk about that a little bit just for, for people to know a little yeah. bit about that? Because I don't know if a lot of people know exactly what that was all about. I think a good chunk of people know, but I think just as many people are, you know, in the in the unknown or don't know. I guess that's what you would say. <laughs> so or, or, that was um, that yeah, was the, if you would. that was the footage that was caught by a bunch of different people on their phones, right? Uh, well, we didn't really have uh, cell phones back then with cameras or or uh, some some sort of recording, right? Yeah. Well. Yeah, we can go into that real quick here. Um, so March 13, 1997, um, there were a bunch of lights that occurred on the west side of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, on the west side of South Mountain uh, between the Australia Mountains. It's an Indian reservation known as the Star Mountain, Australia Mountain, and um, South Mountain, which is part of the United States. So there's like an, there's an Indian barrier right there. Between mm-hmm. these two mountains. Well, this is where the original 1997 uh, Phoenix Lights arc uh, took place at. And um, so the reason why we have this footage uh, is because there were sky watchers. Now, Tom King, he was one of them, uh, out there ready for something to happen because he had filmed lights the previous weeks before. Okay. So he was on the news. And I remember seeing... Um, uh, I remember seeing him on the news, you know, but he was in Mesa and he's filming lights in Mesa and what he was doing on the West side that night. I don't know, but he got the, he got some great shots. Uh, he was right under these lights. And, uh, so that's one of the reasons why we have footage of what actually happened that night. Uh-huh. And also there was a couple other people, uh, that had video cameras at the time that saw these lights far West far west of the side of, uh, of Phoenix, Arizona. And one of them was on, uh, on the east side of South Mountain, and uh, that's, where, that's where this famous uh, UFO video of March 13th took place out of the arc. Okay, and um, from there, you know, these lights just appeared in the sky, and then, you know, single file in a row, they created an arc, not a mm-hmm. V-shape, but an arc, okay? And like I said before, connecting the Australia Mountains to the west side of South Mountain. And then they slowly disappeared one by one, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a lot of conflicting stories out there now. You know how, you know, you, you know how stories tend to exaggerate and blow yeah. up and, and just get all kinds of crazy uh, over the years, right? Yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened here, in my opinion. Okay, well, first, so I was... Sorry, first they said that it was... Uh, well, first everybody was like, it's UFOs, and even wasn't like the, the mayor, he said, yeah, those are UFOs. And then, like, um, the next day they had a press conference and of course they came out and somebody was dressed as an alien and they made fun of the whole fact of it and then said it was um it was then flares from the uh air force base right 
Yes, um, we'll go into that here in a minute. Okay. So I'm getting, I'm getting okay. ahead of myself. Sorry. Um, no, that's no, okay. I'm so, excited you know, about this story. So. <laughs> I was in Phoenix. I'm a resident. I was there March 13th, 1987. I was outside on this supposed flight path of whatever people are claiming they saw to go over Phoenix. Okay, I was there. I was sitting right in the heart of that flight path, supposedly. I didn't see anything. Okay, so I did not see anything go over my head. All right. But, you know, the, the handful of people, the handful of true witnesses got these video cameras and videotaped these lights on the west side of Phoenix. Well, you know, people started blowing up the story, you know, after, you know, the news, you know, came out the next day and said, hey, did you all see the lights? You know, well, then news cameras, you know, are going to try to interview people. All right. So now all of a sudden. And, you know, these people are in front of a news camera, you know, saying, oh, I saw this craft and it went over the city of Phoenix, you know. And so that seems to be the story now that this huge craft uh, went over Phoenix uh, going eight miles an hour, mind you, eight miles an hour, very wow. slow over the city. Right. And so doing my investigations on this whole situation, um, they're saying you know, I, I came out, I could not find, it's been over 20 years now, man. You know, I cannot find any videos proven that a craft or anything went over the city. Okay, all I find, in my opinion, all right, is what I call hearsay. And people selling books, selling movie tickets, trying to be on the news, saying a craft went over Phoenix. And, and my problem with this whole situation is if a handful of people can film lights on the west side, far west side of Phoenix, Arizona, then why couldn't a handful of people film something going over Phoenix? That just didn't make sense. Yeah. I am, a, I am a, a UFO investigator. I go with what I can prove. I do not go and, and start saying a bunch of BS, you know, that I can't back up. Right. All right. And so that's why I'm going into this. You know, I'm thinking, oh, a spaceship went over Phoenix. Okay, and then you're right, you know, and then the, the mayor came out and he's like, oh, we're going to get DPS out on out investigating this. Well, DPS is the Department, uh, Department of uh, Services, and all they do is monitor uh, traffic on the freeways. So why the hell do, do they want the DPS looking into the Phoenix lights? Well, it just got all crazy, and then all of a sudden you write the news, the, you know, there's a big news conference saying, oh, we're going to tell you what these lights were. All right, so then the guy comes out, and, and he makes a big mockery out of it, okay? Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody in a space costume escorted by police officers, and they're saying, yeah, this was the guy, blah, blah. Well, and then, okay, so after that, you know, a couple years later, then Fife Simonton comes out, and he's like, oh, well, I saw the lights, all right, and they were going over Camelback Mountain. Well, here's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, his credibility flew out the window when he went off and made a mockery out of it. Now he wants to come back when he's not governor anymore and say, oh, this spaceship went over Phoenix, you right. know, in which, okay, why, dude? Why didn't you film it, yo? Okay, why didn't you grab your <laughs> camera, right? How come all these people say that something happened, but nobody grabbed the camera, all right? But somebody, four people grabbed the camera on the west side of Phoenix. So why couldn't four people videotape something going over Phoenix? You know, this has really been boggling my mind for the past 20 years on this you know yeah and uh, so 
you know, I'm going into this, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm in New York, 9-11 happens, you know, these jacks fly over my head. And I'm like, dude, I got to get to the bottom of this. So I'm going back to Phoenix. All right. I'm going to I'm going to now I'm, I'm on a quest, dude. I'm on a hunt. You know, I'm out to find out what exactly the Phoenix likes was and uh, what all this crazy stuff is going on in our world today. So I went off. I went off to Phoenix in 2004, and uh, I just happened to catch this news uh, uh, clip. This news. Uh, I was watching the news, getting my son ready to go to school, and I'm watching the news. And they, the night before, the news helicopter videotaped lights again in the exact same spot on the west side where the where the 1997 Phoenix lights happened at. Right, and so this was like in the starting of the beginning of, of the summer of 2004. So I knew, boom, the lights are back. Now is the time to hunt them down. And I remember, here we go back to Tom King. Okay, Tom King was on the far east side of Phoenix in Mesa when he was getting on the news, filming the lights on a regular basis. And so that's where I wanted to go. So from there, I moved to Mesa. I got me an apartment in Mesa, and I started watching the skies. I knew kind of kind of the direction on where to look, um, uh, southeast, okay, and I knew to look in that direction. Well, lo and behold, it didn't take very long, a couple nights, and lo and behold, this huge orange-amber light just appears uh, a couple miles in front of me, followed by two other orange-amber lights in a diagonal kind of pattern. They're kind of tilted, and they're moving They're moving west towards South Mountain. Okay, then they would disappear, and then two more would appear right in front of us and move west heading towards South Mountain. The whole time, this other orange-amber light is sitting there, you know, and just kind of like watching us, right? And this happened like three or four times before all of them just disappeared, Okay, and then I didn't see anything else. Well, dude, I had my camera then. I was ready for this shit to happen, man. That was my very first UFO sighting that I recorded on camera. Boy, I was soaked. I was like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. This is great. So the next morning, you know, because there's a lot of trees and a lot of the buildings in the way, you know, I wanted to get closer to, the, to these things. So me and my son hopped up on our bikes and we took off heading towards that, heading towards that way. And uh, the second night... Um, it was getting kind of late, and uh, so we kind of gave up, you know, and we stopped uh, at this uh, school with, like, these little these little bleachers. But the sky was open, so I decided to stay there for a little while. And sure enough, two orange amber lights just appeared in front of us, all right, and they looked like eyes, man. Wow. They looked like snake eyes, dude. They're looking back at us, right? Oh, wow. I mean, they were just magically in the sky. They appeared there. They sat there for a little while, and then they disappeared. Well, it was getting late. I had to get my, my son off to school the next morning, so we took off. So that weekend, I wanted to get even closer, so I kept going. I kept following that that direction and i found mesa community college and they had a set of bleachers you know that was at least 200 feet off the ground i mean it was high all right you know for the football stadiums and the track uh stuff you know for the college and here set these bleachers then and, and i climbed up on the top of the bleachers and there there it was perfect a uh, south mountain was was right there i could see the whole city of phoenix so the whole summer of 2004 Every uh, every evening, my son and I would take off, go up on these bleachers, set up the tripod, and sit and watch. You know, and it oh, paid hold off. On a sec, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. We 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 lost you for a second there. Um, I did. I go did, back. I didn't lose him. Oh well. Yep. 
We should well, be, well, yeah. well, Dane, sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've well, okay. I wanted to ask a question at least now that I've uh, made an ass out of myself and interrupted. Um, uh, how long were these? So how long was it the first time that the, the when your son and you went out to the football field and and were in the bleachers? How long were were the lights there? Um, so we climbed up on the bleachers and. You know, I can't remember if it was that first or second or third night that we were there. I mean, we were persistent. I was persistent. I knew what I saw, you know, so I can't remember if we saw something the exact same night that we were there. But, you know, when these lights appear, um, they're not there very long, maybe five, ten minutes. You know, maybe the longest I've ever seen a light stay in the sky would probably be 15 minutes, you know. And uh, I never saw them on the, you know, on the uh, east of me again. You know, it was like they were showing me where to go, you know, okay. like they were showing me what direction to go. I followed these lights to this spot, you know, so and from there, they were right in front of us. South Mountain was only like a couple miles away. And these lights were right on the east side of South Mountain in this certain area. They would they would appear directly almost every night in this same spot almost every night. Wow. And, um, you know, later on, later on, I learned that they're actually hovering. They're actually over electrical power plant that's bored down into the fault line. Okay, so we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm getting ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the reason why they chose that spot in the summer of 2004 is because that power plant was on and they were hanging right over that power plant. And um, so... Not only were these lights here, but also I saw white Cessna airplanes, okay? And these airplanes would circle right, like, like a, a few thousand feet, you know, above the power plant. These airplanes would circle. These lights would appear right above the power plant, all right? And they do need formations. They do lightning bolt formations. They do big, long, straight line formations. They'd be doing zigzag pattern formations in the sky. Man, it was crazy, wow. dude. You know? And these these airplanes would be watching for these lights also. And as soon as the lights would appear in the sky, these airplanes would zoom in after them. And as mm. soon as the airplanes got within a mile radius of these lights, these lights would disappear. These airplanes would come in and circle that area for 15-20 minutes and then they would go back up into the sky and they would wait for the lights and sure enough here come the lights boom right in the same spot and it was just it was a cat and mouse game wow. the whole summer of 2004 wow so, that, those, those were uh, military aircraft no they were just like little just white, in, in, oh, white, wow. white little airplanes that we see in the skies you know all the time right. you know these little white airplanes you know, no, no helicopters, not yet, but these little white airplanes, okay? And so, you know, after about a month of this, you know, seeing these lights out there all the time, I'm calling the news. You know, I'm like, dude, is anybody else reporting this? I'm like, I've got up-team videos of these lights, man. You know, this is good stuff. This is some of the best stuff I've ever seen of these Phoenix lights. You know, I've got it. You know, you guys want to talk about it? Contact me. Well, it took him another three weeks, and then finally News Channel 3 and Phoenix, you know, came and wanted to do a story with me. And uh, so 
it went from it went from these channel three to I did new channel ten, channel five, channel fifteen, channel twelve. I did all the major news uh, uh, stations in Phoenix, Arizona. And after I become public, after everybody started to figure out who I was and what I was doing, it attracted it let these airplanes know that someone was out there at mesa community college watching these lights too right and so after a couple news stories that i did you know me and my son every uh afternoon before sunset we get on our bikes and we ride our bikes to the college you know i saw this airplane hanging around my apartment complex he would follow us he would follow us all the way to Mesa Community College. He would sit there and circle us real high in the sky, watch us get climb up the bleachers, set my tripod up, getting things set up. Sometimes he would fly right in front of me, so close I could see the pilot, and he was looking right at me. And then he would <laughs> climb up into the sky, and here we go. Here goes this cat and mouse. Boom, boom, lights, airplanes, blah, blah, blah. That was going on the whole summer of 2004. I think in that summer, I must have I recorded... Uh, close to a hundred sightings that that wow. summer, man, that, out there on the east side. That is now. impressive, and I think it that, was great. It, it was wonderful. I saw some major intense stuff that was going on out there. Right. Wow. I think that I think that is what you're talking about is the footage that I've seen. I think I was getting that confused with the uh, 1997 stuff. Probably. Yeah. But, so yeah, back wow. then. I always documented, I always try, you know, I had these video cameras and it was a high eight video camera back then, you okay. know, and uh, so I always stamp, you know, stamp, stamp date, uh, the times and the dates when I saw these things, you know, it was always on my videos. Um, after a while, you buy some of these newer cameras and it's hard to figure out how to get those stamps on there now, right. you know, <laughs> so, right, dude. So anyway, so I did all these news, news stories, right? And uh, so the News Channel 3, you know, they wanted to do a possible explanation on what I'm seeing and what everybody else is seeing. So they drove 150 miles away to Tucson, Arizona, to the Davis-Monthan Air Force Base, and they videotaped these A-10s dropping flares out. Okay, and they were trying to say that what we're seeing is flare droppings from 110 right. miles away. And I'm sitting here in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona, watching these lights right in front of South Mountain, dude. You know, and that was their explanation. And that is that we're seeing lights, you know, way the hell out there. Right. When you examine the footage, you could tell that these lights are so close to right here by the mountain, you know, and that just, oh, that pissed me off, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what the hell are you guys doing, man? You know, so during my studies, I'm investigating, you know, I'm, I hit, I'm hitting the libraries, I'm, I'm reading up on books and blah, blah, you know, I'm starting to learn, I'm starting to learn the source of where these lights hang out at. You know, and it was mountains, man. It was mountains. Mm -hmm. So why are these things hanging around these mountains, man? You know, so that was, you know, that was bringing me closer to the mountain. Not only did the lights show me the mountain, but my research is pointing towards the mountain. Yeah. You know, and then 
by chance, I'm watching television, and lo and behold, what do I see? I see a Native American uh, shaman uh, from uh, the Pueblo Indian Art Museum in downtown Phoenix up on South Mountain, all right? And he's doing a tour on the petroglyphs out there. Uh And I'm like, wait a minute, you know? And and I'm starting, the more and more I'm watching this, the more and more this light bulb is turning on in my head. You know, mm-hmm. and then one of the people he, he was showing the tour to, uh, he the guy said, "Hey, he's like this stick figure man looks like he's looking up at something in the sky," and Dave came back, the the, the Native American came back and says, "Yes." That is part of the interpretations here on the rock drawings is that it's possible that our ancestors saw and recorded things in the sky and carved them on the rocks. Well, boom, there it goes. There it is. That was it. We have strange lights in the sky. Now we have strange markings uh, on the rocks out here in Phoenix, Arizona. There has to be a connection. And, you know, for and since then, it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years since the 1997 Phoenix Lights. You know, we got people out here doing documentaries, doing films, you know, doing news reports on these lights for the past 10 years. But nobody, nobody has ever been saying anything about this rock art, about this petroglyph that's out there. You know, so after the flare droppings and after the conspiracy bullshit, you know, I was like, dude, this has got to stop. I'm moving towards the mountain. All right. So in 2005, I got an, I moved again and I moved. I got an apartment a mile away on the east side of South Mountain. And it was in uh, the perfect location right outside my kitchen window. I could see the east side of South Mountain clear as day. So I sat there. I sat there and I stuck my camera out the window and I was there for three years, all right? And I videotaped these things coming and going on the mountain and it was getting really crazy. And so, and while I'm doing that, I'm going out there and I'm hiking the mountain, you know, I'm discovering this, I'm discovering that. And then I, 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 I eventually called up Dave, uh, the, the Native American uh, at the Pueblo Indian Army Museum. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey. You know, I saw you on television a few months ago. You're talking about the petroglyphs. You know, can you go up there and teach me these petroglyphs, teach me the meanings? You know, he's like, oh, sure. So we made a date and we all met up there on the South Mountain. I didn't tell him who I was. I didn't, you know, exactly, you know, what I was doing, you know, because I I just didn't know what he would think about it all. I wanted him to teach first before, you know, and and I told him, you know, I kind of. I, I told him, look, you know, I'm doing a documentary on the petroglyphs. You know, do you mind if uh, a friend of mine films all this, you know, me talking to you, talking about the petroglyphs? He didn't have a problem with it. Oh, my God, dude. We got up there, right? And he's talking about these spirals, man, on how they're doorways. They're doorways. They're vortexes for the spirits, right, of the earth mm-hmm. and sky. Okay, so he's not saying spaceships. He's not saying crafts, you know. And he's telling me that some of these spirals, you know, end at the crack of the stone, okay? And that crack of the boulder where this spiral petroglyph is carved at, that is the emergence point to the underworld. Wow. And, you know, I'm thinking spaceships still. I'm still thinking spaceships. I'm still thinking technology and little gray men running around. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, how can a big spaceship craft get into a little crack like that? 
All right. Until I witnessed it and it wasn't spaceships at all. It was something else. And we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm wow. getting ahead of myself. Okay. So wow. he's okay. Dave is telling me, look, you know, all these stick figure people, you know, and, and we see some with tails on them, you know, and they call them, quote unquote, the lizard men. And the right. story went on to go when the whole calm people, the whole calm Indians, the first people who lived here in the Valley of the Sun uh, arrived here. Uh, the story goes, they didn't know how to live. So these spirits, these lizard people uh, of the earth and sky came up out of the sand world. They lost their tails to look like everyone else. And they taught these people how to live in the desert. Of course, it wasn't a desert back then. It was a tropical-like landscape. We'll get into that mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. And um, so they taught these people how to live. All right, and now we can find some of the these exact stories through the Native American mythologies and some of these myths and legends. You know, for instance, the Hopis. The Hopis say that they learned how to weave their baskets from watching Spider Woman in the sky weave her web in the sky, and that's how they were mm -hmm. able to weave their baskets and learn from Spider Woman in the sky. And um, so this went on, and he was telling me uh, about the giants. We came across these petroglyph giants. And he's telling me that the giants used to roam here in the valley, you know, and here's the carvings of it. And he actually pointed to the superstition mountains. Now, a lot of people think, you know, a lot of people uh, are, are famous with this um, superstition mountains from the Lodge Dutchman's gold mine that's out there. But according to the right. Native Americans, according to the, the real myth of what's really there, this is something completely different. This was created by the giants. And the story goes on to say, when the flood was coming to wipe out the giants, the water was rushing in. The lead giant told his people to come up on this rock and to stand there. And he used his powers to raise this rock up, but the water kept coming. He used his powers again to raise this rock up, but the water kept coming. He raised this boulder so huge it was side. Uh, it was so huge it was as, as as big as the mountain, but the water kept coming. And as his last bit of strength. To immortalize his people, he turned them all to stone, and when he did, that's when the water stopped. And to this day, you can look on the Superstition Mountains, and you can see the lead giant on the bottom right of the mountain, and he's looking like, look like he's praying. And up on top, you can see all the, the stone figures of the, of the giants being turned to stone, and right under that, you can see the watermark where the flood had stopped. Okay. That's awesome. And, wow. Right. And we find <laughs> we find these giant formations that these huge rock formation that look like giants all over Phoenix. Matter of fact, there's one on Camelback Mountain and he's he's you know uh, he's kind of crudged down and he's just this huge figure of giant man sticking out, you know, people call that Mummy Mountain, you know. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that that's a giant turned to stone, man. You know, and so he's telling me all these crazy stories and myths, and, and I'm I'm just eating it all up. I'm going, yeah, dude, I'm on. This is it. This is it. I'm on to something here. You know, so we, we he gets we get done and we get down to the parking lot, and then I bring it I bring it up to him. Then I hit him with it. I say, so are you familiar with the Phoenix Lights? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. There was somebody on the news just talking to him a few months ago. I say, yeah, that was me. He goes, that was you. And I say, yeah. I said, 
I have this theory that I'm working on that these lights that we see in the skies have something to do with the petroglyphs carved on the mountains here. Oh, my God. He kind of went blank chased. He's a Native American, you know, and he just kind of shut up, you know, and he just didn't want to talk about this anymore. All right. It was spooky, man. It was crazy. It was like. I'm coming into taboo territory here, oh, right. you know, and, mm-hmm. and learning in learning all this stuff, you know, the true Native Americans that want to talk about this, that, you know, they don't really want to talk about it because actually, you know, we're not supposed to know about these things. Right. What happened right. to their people long ago because of the Phoenix lights, because of these things coming and going from these mountains, you know, was a, not a good thing. OK. And that's a big secret that we're going to that we're going to go into here in a few minutes. And for to this day, he he won't he won't accept my phone calls. He won't go back on the mountain <laughs> with me anymore. I mean, oh my God, this guy's wow. totally avoiding me now. So it's a good thing that you know I I told him. I, I, it's a good thing I filmed him. I documented it all. I got his permission to document it. You know, and I didn't tell him what I was doing until afterwards because if I would have, he wouldn't have told me all this stuff. Right. But, but because right. he did. You know, it just, oh, my God, this started something. This blew up huge. And uh, so when I'm on, when I'm looking out my my, my uh, kitchen window and I'm filming, right, I'm filming this thing. And it comes out of the mountain, all right? It comes out of one of the canyons on the mountain. And it kind of looks like a crooked snake. Well, I remember seeing a petroglyph of two uh, Native Americans looking up at the exact same formation that I filmed in the sky. Not only that, but I actually, I matched that formation to the, to the sightings. I, I matched a diamond that I filmed going over my apartment complex that came off South Mountain to the petroglyphs. Uh, I, I matched a couple like worm looking things uh, to the petroglyphs out there. And once I you know, had my evidence, that's when I brought this to the news. And again, I, I, I brought it to News Channel 3, and they ate it up. This is a whole new subject on the Phoenix Lights. Wait a minute, you know. We've got somebody out here hiking the mountain, you know, verifying that these rock art, you know, is talking about, to us, UFO sightings. It's talking about the Phoenix Lights. I even found a petroglyph depicting the Phoenix Lights, the Ark, uh, on the west side of South Mountain. I found a petroglyph panel uh, of the exact same sighting. And that was carved wow. almost a thousand years ago. Wow. You know, but here again, 1997, again, it was recorded again, but this time with sophisticated technology as cameras. But back then, they only had boulders to record their sightings on in the certain spots where these events took place at. This is the reason why sometimes we find petroglyphs in this area, but we do not find any petroglyphs over there on that area because nothing mm-hmm. happened over there. These petroglyphs are carved on, on, on the spots where the event took place at. It's a prehistoric photograph of what took place there. And another way to look at these petroglyphs is uh, to understand them anyway, is to look at the whole landscape because you're not just supposed to look at the art. It's not graffiti. It's telling you a story here of what happened in this area. So we're supposed to look at the whole landscape. For instance, if we see a a snake, right, carved and he's got, um, he's in a, a pyramid formation. All right. He's, He's zigzagging, okay? Well, step back from that rock and look at the mountain range behind it. You will notice that that snake is actually representing the the two hills uh, in the back of that rock. 
And that's okay. one way to understand these petroglyphs. They're talking about the whole landscape. If you see a, a coyote or a deer and he's facing that direction, he's looking in a, in a certain direction, you want to follow where he's looking at because he's telling you where the next story is. Hey, man, did I ever tell you about this recent thing that happened to me? I was driving around in the country, and it was just after dusk. So there's a little bit of light still coming on out of the sky, but it was mostly dark. I saw this black school bus. I don't think I've ever heard this. Okay, so I saw this black school bus. All the windows were tinted, and it started following me for about 15 minutes. Whoa, no. Yeah. What, what did you do? I was at work. I was making deliveries and I just kept making my deliveries and like it would even stop and wait for me oh. and <laughs> yeah, this is, but it was never close enough to where I could see it or anything but it was following me man wow dang that's just an example of another really weird story that happened to me and that could have happened to you. You don't have to have a UFO encounter. You don't have to have seen the ghost of your grandmother. You don't have to know what Bigfoot smells like to have had a weird story. Basically, what we're saying is weird covers a lot of ground here on the What's Your Weird Story podcast. And we love hearing all of your stories, whether they're spooky, they're funny, they're bizarre, or they're just short, sweet, and unexplained. Kind of like our podcast. And so this blew up, you know, and it got really crazy. And, and then all of a sudden, all these other uh, cable shows started contacting me. Um, this was before Ancient Aliens. This was before the UFO Hunter show. And uh, 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 somebody contacted me um, for a pilot uh, that he was doing for the History Channel. And uh, he also worked with UFO Magazine. And so I did an article on, on with UFO Magazine in 2005. Which led to the pilot uh, of UFO Magazine and also the Ancient Aliens TV series. And I took uh, Pat Uskert uh, up on South Mountain, and we talked about the, the we talked about the Phoenix Lights. We talked about the you know uh, the petroglyphs, talking about UFOs and blah blah. And that kickstarted the UFO Hunter Show on History Channel and also the Ancient Aliens TV series. And so that that pilot sat on Hollywood's desk for a few years. Uh, until night until 2007, uh, when that uh, when the share when the when the show actually aired on the History Channel, and then they came back, you know, to do a follow up. They wanted to, you know, actually do the show right this time because it's on the History Channel. They want to do it right. So we went up there, and you know, it really they got that History Channel money, I guess. Yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Instead of one guy with a camera and a beat-up car, we're, we're talking uh, five uh, black uh, SUVs with cameras and equipment and microphones and, and all this crazy shit. Wow. It, it went from <laughs> one guy to a beat-up well, car. Is, that... Yeah. <laughs> right. It's it, amazing what ancient aliens will uh, will do for the History Channel. <laughs> I know, right. Exactly, you know. And um, so... You know, it, I've got all this proof. You know, I got all this evidence. You know, I got all this, all this proof. You know, and but yet when I'm when I'm doing the show, you know, they're telling me, oh well, this is you know Jeff's theory at the time. They're still calling it a theory. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't really appreciate that too much. And they're telling me, you know, look, dude, you're filming some bizarre stuff. No one in the United States has been filming anything what you're filming. 
you know, maybe in Mexico, maybe in other parts of the world, but not here in the United States. He's like, if you're going to talk about these things, you need to say crafts. Okay, you need to say technology. All right, you need to say spaceships. Right. right? Because the public isn't ready for this shit, man. Oh, I was pissed. You know, I was really upset about all that. You know, how? I mean, what's? Excuse me. Um, but uh, what's the? I don't understand the logic of if we're already going to take a step into um, what is you know outside of our quote unquote normal beliefs, you know, our normal reality, by saying these are crafts from another planet or dimension or whatever, how? Much further than is it to say it than it's to say it's you know a, a being rather than you know a craft. I well, I you know, know. yeah, they, they just you know because I was I was the first one to ever do this. You know, it always you know they always ridicule and they always you know don't believe you know people right, know, right. and they just there's no evidence yet because no one else is seeing it yet. You know, and all this stuff, and so even though I, I lost my chance on doing the Ancient Aliens TV series, uh, because of my findings, you know, because mm. of what I could prove, and they wanted to take a different route on this. They wanted to right. say spaceships and crafts. You know, they're not ready for entities. You know, and we'll get into that a little bit later. And um, you know, so I was really upset about all that, and and you know, I just. I've worked so hard at this. You know, I'm I'm in the field. I'm on South Mountain. I'm hiking that mountain. I'm coming home with cramps in my legs. I'm studying this mountain. I'm studying the Native American myths. I'm watching. I'm 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 the first one to match these UFOs to the petroglyphs. You know, and they don't want to give me credit for that. That's what pissed me off. You know, I you know I did all this work, but yet they don't want to give me credit. They want to say, well, it's still Jeff's theory. You know. And um, so I'm really upset about that. So about a year later, right, so I'm investigating the CCC, the Civil Conservation Corps. Uh, mm-hmm. That was during, that was um, during um, right before World War II, during the 1930s, during the Depression, during the Depression under President Roosevelt. Okay, this, is, this was the New Deal. All right, so we had the CCC workers out here on South Mountain. Not only did they live on South Mountain for a few years, uh, they made trails, they made picnic areas, they made uh, places to have barbecues uh, and ramadas and things like that. Uh, They also were doing mining. They were mining for gold. And I think they they pulled out about $60,000 full of gold and precious metals out of South Mountain. Um, and they also destroyed petroglyphs, and that was the whole reason why I was investigating these people. You know, why the hell are you blowing up these petroglyphs? You know, why are you why are you destroying this rock over here? You didn't blow up that rock over there. You know, it's the same damn rock, dude. Why did you leave that one alone? But you're blowing this one up with petroglyphs. You know, until I figured out, well, I understood the petroglyphs more. You know, they're telling a story. They're telling a story of giants. They're telling a story of demonic creatures. They're telling a story of, of sacrifice. They're telling a story of tombs. You know, and, and, and to this for this being a public park uh, and a child walking up on a demonic creature carved on a rock over here would kind of scare the kids. And so a big cover-up was going on here. You know, they were out there blowing up stories. All right. So 
the the petroglyphs that you can be available at, you know, the ones that they left, you know, are still there. But you know, the ones that go into great detail, they're blown up. They're they're gone. But when you go higher up on the mountain. They left those glyphs alone because they figured no one's going to go up there. You know, well, I do. I go off the trails, dude. You have to go off the trails to find out what the hell's going on. And when you go off the trails, that's where all the information is. And so that's when I learned, look, they're blowing up glyphs down here at the bottom of the mountain. They're not blowing up glyphs up here. You know, and I found out more and more of the study. So investigating the CCC, I decided to hit uh, the Phoenix uh, Library downtown and, and the, the Phoenix Burton Bar Library. And uh, they directed me to the, uh, I believe it was the third floor of the Arizona room for more information on South Mountain. So I told, I told the lady, just give me everything you got on South Mountain. So I, she comes back and she gives me this huge folder. And, you know, by then I'm doing radio, I'm doing radio shows, I'm doing, you know, news reports, I'm doing all these other interviews and things, you know, I'm talking about the tombs that I'm finding up there. Look, dude, I found tombs up there, man. I found altars up there, man. How come the archaeologist isn't talking about this? You know, if I can find this, you know, I'm an amateur archaeologist. I, I've studied rocks. I've studied, you know, all this stuff. You know, I've been doing this for almost all my life because I love history. So I know right. when something's out of place or not. You know, I know when something's man-made and when something in is, isn't. And I'm finding all these structures on South Mountain. and and But yet, no, no, no evidence here. Nothing, nothing to back me up, dude. You know, it's just my word and a bunch of photographs. You know, look, I've been here. Look at this. Does this look abnormal to you? You know, and I've had some people go out there and call my bluff, which is great. And they come back and say, yes, there is something buried there. You know, so I'm wondering why the archaeologist isn't talking about this. So when I sit down and I open up this folder, boom, lo and behold, what do I see? I'm looking at the first park ranger in the 1930s named Charles Holbrook of South Mountain. And in his stories, in his memoirs, he talks about the Holcombs. He talks about the Mayans being here in Phoenix. He's talking about the tombs full of gold. He's talking about the spirits of the earth and sky. And he learned all of this information from the Native Americans who lived there at that time. The Native Americans trusted Charles and told Charles, look, you need to protect these tombs you know, from all these gold robbers. You know, and that's what he did yeah. for a number of years, you know, and then World War II broke out. So the CCC had to leave and they went to war. And then later on, uh, you know, Charles died uh, uh, a few a few years later. Uh, but, you know, in that in this information, you know, he, he did tours on South Mountain. I, I, I do tours on South Mountain, too, when I was there. And, uh, you know, he handed out flyers and in the flyers. You know, it talks about the Mayans. It talks about the Holcombs. You know, it talks about the spirits, you know, coming up out of the ground and things like this, you know. And um, he's talking about the uh, um, the tombs, you know. And then I did a little bit more research, and I found that, that his son, after his dad died, his son wrote a book also, and it went into more depth of Charles Holbrook. And then learning more of Charles Holbrook, I learned that he was a big deal back then, man. He was the man. I mean, he his work is, is in some of these other libraries, uh, government departments uh, throughout the country. You know, he was he was the man back then, you know, and if this guy's talking about tombs and things like this on South Mountain, you know, then it's it's got to be there because at, back then, you know, they were, you know, right. believing him. They, they showed proof. You know, I even found a, a, 
uh, evidence of the Freemasons up there on South Mountain, too. And we can go on that later if we want. But, yeah, I found, you know, yeah. everybody knows. Everybody knows what the hell is there. You know, and, and this tomb, this tomb has a great big spray painted on it. There's Roman numerals in front of it, you know, and I'm sure there's cameras or motion sensors or something around that area, you know, but, but this is there. And so from what his uh, son is writing about Charles, um, because Charles came out and he's telling people, you know, he's giving out flyers, look, the Mayans were here. Mm -hmm. I'm finding Mayans, Mayan rock art out there on South Mountain, you know. And um, so he's talking about the tombs. And one day uh, his son wrote in his book that Charles actually chased uh, some of these gold seekers away from South Mountain because they're out there digging up the tombs. There is one information there that I found out um, from the Spanish conquistadors. Uh, so the archaeologists don't even want to admit that the Spanish even came this far. They're thinking, they're saying that they went another direction. Uh, but yet I found evidence that the Spanish mm -hmm. was here. You know, I found artifacts and things like that, that the Spanish was here on this mountain. And Charles Holberg knew about that mountain. And one of the, one of the rumors there is that the Spanish erected four crosses, one to the east, one to the south, one to the north, and one to the, one to the uh, west. And they and it says in his book that it must have taken a mighty army to to construct these four crosses. Well, it was just a rumor back then, you know. Until he until Charles Herbert looked down at the sun sun blackened rocks and he finds these crosses. Well, he made the mistake of letting the city of Phoenix know where these crosses were. And the next the next year they made a new map of South Mountain and and they put these crosses on the hill. Well, some vandals went up there looking for gold and they destroyed the crosses and they dug a hole looking for gold and uh it was a big mess wow and uh, yeah so charles charles wanted to get the city of phoenix to go back and and uh you know help him rebuild uh these crosses uh and the city of phoenix didn't want to do that uh but they said you know you and your friends can go up there and rebuild the crosses so his son goes on to say in his book that it was like a mighty army of ants going up the side of the hill with concrete and sand rebuilding these uh crosses and uh you know the the wives and the and the daughters would be at the bottom handing out sandwiches and lemonade and things like that while the workers went up there and rebuilt these crosses uh, unfortunately, one of Charles's friends had a heart attack and died up there constructing these crosses. And that's as far as the story goes. You know, that, and then the story ends. You know, so for like 10 years, I'm looking for these crosses, right? You know, and so one city of Phoenix map shows the crosses here. And then the other city of Phoenix shows them on the other side. You know, I've been to both sides. One side is gone now. It's been totally blown up. Uh, there's a Wrestler's Roost restaurant there now. There's apartment buildings there and there's golf courses. And I think that's where the petroglyphs or uh, that's where the crosses were at that time. Wow. So that's just one story that was really neat. Let's get back wow. to the topic. <laughs> so Charles Hol Charles Holberg, what he says about this, this is the big conspiracy that the archaeologists do not talk about, that you will not ever hear uh, uh, anywhere else uh, but from this investigation. Okay. So when the Hohokams arrived here, now let's look at the word Hohokam. Uh, it is a Pima Indian name for the people who are gone, the people who are missing, because they were here one day and gone the next. Uh, they were masters uh, of, the, of the land here in, in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, they were masters of the canal systems in the world. Okay, and, and also masters of other construction. Uh, and they ruled here for a thousand years. All right, for a thousand years they were here. 
And until one one day, they just up and vanished. Okay, so now the archaeologist wants us to believe, well, they simply migrated somewhere else because it got too hot. Okay, right. well, if that's, the, if that's the case, where the hell did they go? We can't find any evidence on where they went. All right, there's no evidence on where they went. They were here one day and gone the next. And this coincides with other tribes around the world who had no contact with each other, who reigned in their in their land for a thousand years and all of a sudden up and disappeared. This happened at the same exact time as other tribes around the world. They were there, now they're gone. What happened to them? Nobody knows. Right. And so when we look at the petroglyphs here, you know, uh, it talks about where they went. And I'm getting ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, um, the uh, when the whole comps first got here, they didn't know how to live here. Now, it wasn't a, a dried up wasteland as it is today. It was a tropical like landscape. And we can find evidence of this from the waterfalls on on the sides of the South Mountain that are dried up now. We can actually see when we use our third eye, when we use our imagination, we can see how beautiful and 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 excellent this land was at one time. You know, mm -hmm. and so when they arrived here, these spirits of the earth and sky, not spaceships, not little gray guys from Mars, but these spirits from the earth and the sky came up out of the sand world, came down from the heavens, all right, and they taught these people how to live. In return, these people, because they didn't understand, worshiped these things as gods. Okay, they were formed sacrifice to these to these beings, to these phoenix lights, okay, and to these other creatures that they're seeing in the skies. Now, when we look at the Native American myths, so to speak, it says that these things are shape shifters, and that's okay. exactly what they're doing. They're changing shapes. Okay, they're morphing into men, they're morphing into animals, they're morphing into snakes. Uh, matter of fact, I have filmed the feathered serpent, Quetzalcoatl over uh, Phoenix, Arizona, over South Mountain many times, and there's petroglyphs of these flying snakes carved on the mountains there of Phoenix. Wow. Wow. And so this went on for a thousand years, you know, and, uh, you know, back to this lizard people, these carvings, right? So um, when Dave was explaining about these lizard people, uh, he was saying, now, look at this carving. Look at this stick figure man with his tail. And when you look at his belly, he's got a circle there. He's got a circle. Okay. Now, Dave was trying to say that that circle represents him coming out of the underworld into our world. Um, and in a way, I would agree with him. But in a way, I think because he hasn't seen it, because he hasn't witnessed it, uh, I think what that petroglyph is talking about with that circle is the orb that we're seeing in the skies today. Is the phoenix lights. They're orbs, right? And they're mm -hmm. morphing. They're, they're changing shape. They're okay. morphing into a human, into a man, into a snake. So they, first it's an orb, and then they morph into uh, a man or, or whatever they're, they're morphing into. And I've seen this. I've actually videotaped this. This is crazy. Uh, uh, recently, a couple years ago, my wife and I was on South Mountain, and uh, this light just appeared in the sky. And out from this light came this black being, this black entity. It was a snake. And from there, he, he went across the sky, and from there, he morphed into what looked like a stick figure man with mm -hmm. his hands on his hip and two, two antennas out of his, coming out of his head. Wow. And, and, and just, yeah, that's crazy. You can find all this on my website dude, and also my wild. Facebook page. Right, dude. That's exactly what these petroglyphs are talking about. They're UFO sightings, not the typical UFOs that we expect 
today is spaceships and crafts and all this, you know, stuff that is that we cannot prove yet. You know, because I've seen all these videos of spaceships and, and, and crafts, you know, but they're all CGI. It's all fake. You know, we, there's not one credible evidence of a, of a spaceship out there that has been hoaxed in some way. What we're actually really seeing in the skies are lights, are orbs, and some of us are seeing serpents and, and flying dragons and flying crosses and flying diamonds and things like that. Okay, that, in my opinion, because I've witnessed it all my life, you know, is what we're seeing here, is what we're dealing with here. Okay, but just to backtrack a little bit. I have seen some things in the skies that could resemble, could be mistaken as crafts. For instance, for you know, back there in New York, I, I, I mentioned that we saw this jacks go over the over uh, over our heads. Now, when we look at when we examine these jacks and we look at some of the paintings uh, from like what was it the 1700s in Germany? All right, there's a painting out there with all these jacks uh, in the sky and all these orbs and these flying scrolls and things like that. That's exactly what I'm seeing. And you know what? When I got here to Phoenix, I found a jack carved on South Mountain also. And um, so, and I also, while being on South Mountain, have seen a flying triangle. Okay, but it was so quick, okay. so fast, it just disappeared in the clouds. All right, so. I'm saying, yes, it's possible that, you know, spaceships exist. I mean, look at uh, the scientists. They have found seven Earth-like type uh, planets on the outskirts of our solar system. Mm -hmm. And it's very possible, yes, there's life, intelligent life uh, on those planets, you know, and maybe they made a spaceship and maybe they're uh, vis visiting Earth. Sure, I'm open to that. I accept that, you know, but I think what the majority of people are seeing in, in our skies today are orbs and lights and snakes and diamonds and crooked snakes and, and just weird things, you know. And because, because people have been led to believe for the past 80 years on spaceships and little gray men and people writing books and, and movies and Hollywood and all this stuff, so they think uh, a light is a spaceship you know, mm -hmm. because that's all they can really understand is technology, okay? But when you actually look at it another way, all right, when you see this another way and you examine the petroglyphs and then, then you go and you look at what the Babylonian texts say, when the Anunnaki talks about these things, when yeah. the Bible talks about these mm -hmm. things, all right, okay. that is where the credible evidence lies at. Not, you know, somebody with hearsay, a spaceship, I got abducted, blah, blah. I can't prove a word. What we can prove is what has been written down over 7,000 years ago and what we can see that's carved on the rocks uh, around the world. All right. And it's talking about these beings. All right. That's what that's when credible evidence comes into play at not hearsay, but what we can prove. And that's what my research is all about. It's not about hearsay. It's what I can prove. Okay, okay so I, I prove that there's there's tombs on South Mountain. I proved that there's information in the Phoenix Library talking about tombs on South Mountain. I proved that the Native Americans saw and recorded UFOs in the sky because I was the first one to actually document this and, and record these beings in the sky again and matching them to the rock art. Okay, and so this is where the credibility lies at. All right, this is what we can believe. You know, even now, I'm not saying religion, blah, blah, it's kick religion out the door. I don't.
talk about religion. I talk about this Bible as the type of uh, history book of the okay. world. Okay, right, and when, right. when we read that and and we look at it in such a way, not religion, but we look at it, you know, in in in, in what we're seeing today and what the biblical archaeologist has verified, and that's another thing that you can't dismiss. You know, the biblical archaeologists had verified many of the stories that has been located in these sacred scrolls, you know, especially with the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it talks about the the spirits, man. It talks about the heavenly lights. All right. The Dead Sea Scrolls talks about the heavenly lights. All right. Even the book of Exodus and, and Numbers tells us that, that Moses followed a pillar of cloud by day mm -hmm. and a pillar of fire by night. And he led the Jews out of Egypt. And basically, when you read these two stories, the book of Numbers, the book of Exodus, you actually come to learn that they're actually following. They're following a UFO in the sky for 40 years, man. You know, and it says when that UFO stopped, when that thing, that pillar of the cloud stopped in the sky, they would pitch their camps. They would stay there. And sometimes, you know, that thing wouldn't move for a whole year. All right. And then when that thing started to move in the sky, that's when everybody packed up and started following this thing in the sky. And what happened to Moses? It wasn't Moses that led the people into the promised land. He went up on a mountain. It was a mountain. Mountains are the source. Mountains are the key. He went up on a mountain. And this light this phoenix light, this light came down from the heavens and consumed them. What happened? He was gone, taken away. We don't know what happened to this guy. You know, and it wasn't uh, Aaron. Aaron followed that thing in into the promised land. It was a UFO that led the people in from the promised land. So that's just one story, you know, that we can verify, you know, in in the book uh, of these testaments and things like that, in, in the Bible and stuff like that. So it's telling us, man, it's telling us that these things have always been here. It even tells us in Genesis 6 on how these things got here. They were cast out, man. They were thrown down from heaven, all right? And that, and the people in those days worshipped these things as gods, okay? And that's exactly what the petroglyphs depict. And it talks about the Nephilim. It talks about the giants. It's fascinating because we can go to the scriptures and we can read uh, mm -hmm. what, what was being uh, written there. And then, then we can go out on the rock art and we can actually see the prehistoric photograph of the same damn story. That is when I realized, look, this is a complete whole different story on what people are believing. And because people, you know, you bring up the Bible and things like, oh, they, they're talking about, you don't, don't talk to, to me about religion. I'm not talking about religion, dude. I'm talking about what we're seeing in the sky today. You know, there's back then they saw lights in the sky. They saw UFOs in the sky. You know, what was it that brought the people to the baby Jesus? Man, they saw a light in the sky, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah, they saw yeah. that light, man. Right. Come on, yo. That's what we're seeing in the skies today, dude. Open <laughs> your eyes, man. Open your eyes to this, all right? Not religion, but what we can actually see, improve, and deal with. And it tells us, dude, it tells us, man, these things are giants. And there's giants carved on the mountains, all right? And there's evidence of giants, you know, that were there on the South Mountain through some of these huge big stones that have been picked up, massive tons of stone, building a wall, which the CCC later came down and blew up uh, one half of the wall so you can't see it. But when you walk around on the back, you can actually see it's, it's a huge, huge fucking wall, dude. You know? <laughs> and it was made by a giant, man, You know, because they didn't have cranes back then to put these blocks in place. So it had to have been somebody of strength. 
So we see the petroglyphs. The petroglyphs are telling us, look, man, giants were here. We have the Native Americans telling us the giants have been turned to stone up there on that mountain. You know, not only here in Phoenix, but look at Bryce Canyon. You know, Bryce Canyon, there, there's giants there. There's giants turned to stone all over the world. Someone even suggests that scientists or, or, or um, uh, archaeologists uh, have found giant bones, you know, in, in Iraq and in other places around the world. So, yeah, you know, the giants are here. Hey, that's a nice t-shirt you got on there. Oh, thanks, dude. It's brand new. Do you like that? It's one of the official What's Your Weird Story t-shirts. Where'd you get that? It's funny that you ask. I just got it off the brand new Spreadshirt.com site for the What's Your Weird Story podcast. There's no www. You just go straight to shop.spreadshirt.com backslash what without the apostrophe W-H-A-T-S hyphen Y-E dash w-e-i-r-d dash s-t-o-r-y and that'll take you right there i mean you can never own enough clothing well that's true barry there's t-shirts for the ladies because you know they're cut differently there's hoodies which are really cool there's two different kinds of hoodies and there's also tote bags so you can tote your stuff that's so cool man so if you guys go out to spreadshirt.com what's your weird story currently there are two designs but there will be more going up very soon so just keep your eyes out for that and if you decide to get one of our shirts tag yourself on instagram to ours or facebook show your love show us what you got let's see your true colors so back to the whole comms the whole comms were here sacrificing <laughs> went on okay until one day and you know i found altars out there you can see it you know in, in my book and we'll get into that later but you know the sacrifices was going on until one day they decided you know wait a minute we should stop the sacrificing okay and when they did that's when things started to dry up in the land that's when uh these lights these things that were these things in the sky these spirits of the earth and sky got upset and some of the stories say that uh the devil now they they say the the story goes on to say that the devil came from the east and took these people away okay and it actually when we look at the petroglyphs, we can see, you know, the Phoenix lights. Uh, we can see these lights, these orbs, these other diamonds and, and swastikas that were seen in the sky, uh, picking people up by their heads and carrying them off into the sky, you know. And uh, so this was going on. This is a big, uh, scary thing that was going on here. And uh, the story says, you know, the, the, the people that survived this Holocaust, you know, they hid in caves. They watched what was going on. They watched the serpents take people away. They watched the Phoenix Lights take people away. They watched all these crazy things come down, pick them up, and take them off into the sky, never to return. And they were afraid, man. They were terrified. So when it was all over with, they, they decided to, to gather all the gold. And the story says that the gold was as high as the tallest saguaro cactus. 
and as big and round as the sun in the sky. And they buried this skull in tombs all over South Mountain, not only South Mountain, but the mountains around the Valley of the Sun. And they vowed never to come back into this valley. They put a curse on this valley. They knew if they were going to continue to live here in Phoenix, Arizona, that eventually they would have to go back to war with these spirits of the earth and sky. They were afraid. They were terrified. So they bailed, man. They got the hell out of Dodge, dude. They took off back to their homeland, back to Mexico. They stopped off at Casa Grande. They stayed there for a little while and taught those people how to build uh, adobe structures and how to make okay. canals but their final destination was mexico so for 400 years 400 years nobody lived in this valley of the sun there was native americans who lived on the outskirts of that and they saw the lights they saw the serpents they saw the orbs and they were afraid because they knew what happened to their people and they told their children from generation to generation to, gener to generation what these spirits of the earth and the sky did to their people so when we come when we come up to dave the native american who's teaching me the petroglyphs here mm -hmm. and, and i'm mm -hmm. telling him look i'm seeing these lights and then all of a sudden he doesn't want to talk to me anymore that explains it, dude, because he right. was taught. Right. Man, he knew from his mom and dad and his grandparents saying, look, man, you're, you're, you're our people, you know, were taken away by these spirits, man. It was not a good thing. Okay, when these when the when the Native Americans uh, first interacted with these Phoenix lights, first interacted with these beings from the earth and sky, you know. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They were they were fooled. They thought these things were gods, you know, until they stopped worshiping worshiping them, and that's when everything got wasted. That's when everything turned, you know. That's when they got turned uh, taken away, and uh, was never seen before. And like I said before, this happened not only here with the Native Americans here, but also around the world. It was the same right. exact story, and. Um, so nobody lived here for 400 years. And when this is why when the pioneers first got here, uh, the canals were still intact. Uh, there were still structures here. There was still pottery here. Uh, there was still evidence, you know, that somebody lived here once before. I mean, the archaeologists, man, he's so full of shit. You know, all oh, they moved. Okay. When we, I mean, you and I move, we take our belongings with us. But when the whole comps disappeared, they they didn't take anything. They they left everything behind and simply left. They're not going right. to leave stuff, you know. There, they're going to take it with, dude. And then mm -hmm. we find evidence on where they went. No, no place. But the petroglyph show I'm taken away. The oral tradition says they were taken away. Charles Holbrook says that they were taken away. You know, and that is the that is the truth here. And this is. What the big, in my opinion, this is the biggest conspiracy of the earth that these things were here, and you know, they're not from Alpha Centauri, okay? They're not from another, another world. This is their world, too. This is their planet. They that have was, always been. That was going to be my one of my next questions where are they from? It, um, they, so. Yeah, they were cast down. Okay, now it does say in the Anunnaki scrolls, in the Babylonian scrolls, scrolls, that some stayed, that's what we see in the skies today, and then some left and promised to come back, you know? Okay. And so this is what we're seeing in the skies now, is what stayed here, is what, you know, was left, you know? These other beings, they probably, you know, took off to another planet where the energy presides at. So let's talk about this energy real quick. So remember, I was saying that these uh, these uh, fault lines, you know, is attracting mm -hmm. things, you know. And you know, another thing, uh, sitting by that mountain for so many years, you know, I, I documented it, I tracked it all. 
You know, I tracked this, the equinox and the summer solstice and things like that. And so did the Holocom Indians, man. They were sky watchers, you know. And the archaeologist wants us to believe, well, these equinox and light and, sol- light and, sh- light and shadow panels out there, you know, that, that happens during the equinox and the solstice, that's just telling us that it's changing seasons and it's trying to plant corn. Man, that's bullshit, dude. They're not, they don't care about corn. <laughs> they care about these gods in the sky on their return. Okay, so I noticed the first year, I noticed January, February, March, April, May, June, July, you know, and August, boy, they were here, dude. Those things are coming and going from the mountain. But then mm-hmm. after the equinox and after the solstice, you know, they seemed to disappear. They were gone. And then and then after the equinox or the solstice, they would start to slowly come back. You know, so in between the equinox and the solstice, those those months in between, boy, they're here. They're coming down on the mountain. They're here. And then when the equinox gets closer, they start to z- disappear. And where, where do they go? Yeah, exactly. Where do they go? <laughs> yeah, and where do they go? They are following the sun. The earth is is uh, the sun is orbiting the, the the earth, or the earth is orbiting the sun. Right. Okay, so this is the reason why we have the changing of the seasons. So when the sun uh, gets in the right position of these natural energies around the earth, such as fault lines, volcanoes, and even some man-made energy sources, such as nuclear facilities. All right, it attracts these beings to this, these energy spots. So when the sun gets gets in the right position of these fault lines, that's when these these beings are here to absorb the energy. Okay, so you know the Native Americans say that they're going down into the underworld. Well, the scientific uh, explanation is they're going down into that fault line. They're absorbing the energy. You know, and a lot of people are saying, well, why do these crafts have lights? You know, why are we seeing lights? Do why do these spaceships, why do these things need lights, need headlights? They can't see in the dark? No, that has nothing to do with it. Just as uh, as the fireflies, the, the lightning bugs have lights on their belly, so do these things. This is mm-hmm. part of them. Each into each light is a living being. You see five lights out there. You're looking at five living being, five living entities, five living beings. Okay, they're alive. They know who's watching. They know who's not. This is how they're getting away with being in our skies because they know who's watching. They know who's not. They don't make any noise. They don't cast any shadows. Okay, they're intelligent creatures. Just as man is 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 higher than the animals, these things are higher than man. So. so- to speak. So, they're a type so, of animal. They're a type of creature. They're a type of entity, and okay. they're absorbing the energy. So when you see them all lighting up and all bright and lit up, that's because of the energy that they have absorbed. So what kind of a being are they? I mean, what do you? I mean, like, because um, you've alluded to the, that they were cast out, like mentioned in the Bible, so those the rebellious angels in the Bible. And but then another, you know, um, you know, they're giants or whatever, and 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 that they're shape shifting things. But what are they at the at core? At the core, do you, I mean? Well, you know, they're, they're yeah. like, well, you know the, you know the the biblical scrolls they call them cherubim. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're living creatures. You know, living beings. I saw four living beings. You know, and they had circles, circles with eyes. You know, um, they're creatures. They're like animals. They're, okay. they're, um, like I said, they're 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 higher than man. You know, okay. man is 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 made in God's image. Well, these things are are you know created you know by somebody else, and you know by the ones that rebelled 
against uh, uh, the great creator. So okay. we do know that there are good ones and, and, and that there are bad ones. So, and to distinguish, you know, we got to figure out which one of the good ones and which are the bad ones. And it does depict on South Mountain, these petroglyphs, it does depict some type of war that was going on, um, that these Indians were shooting bows and arrows uh, at these flying snakes and at these flying orbs in the sky. And there was another entity, very few panels of this has survived over the last 60 to 70 years, but it does depict another race of entity being were here and it looked like they had four arms and they had this magical staff weapon and one of the petroglyph panels you can see this on my facebook page you can see this in my book you can see this on the internet search my name i'm all over the internet and you can and you can search uh, you can see on how this entity is shooting is shooting this staff raw staff up at a flying half human half snake Okay, so when we look at that and we look at some of these other uh, ancient tales, uh, for instance, let's look at India. Okay, <laughs> let's look at let's let's look at the Viamades. Okay, the Viamades. All right, so that's where my mind was. That's where my mind was going as soon as you started talking about this shooting up at the sky. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay, so, cool, and, cool. And when we look at these paintings, you know, some of these paintings depict demonic creatures they depict scary monsters and they have eight to twelve arms they've got all these they've got all these arms mm -hmm. you know and so and their their story is uh that there was a war you know between the good entities and the bad entities you know and and mankind was their prize was their trophy and you know apparently we're here today so the good entities must have must have survived <laughs> But the story goes on to say that they buried their weapons in certain places around the earth because they they know eventually they're going to have to come back and reuse these weapons. So they they left these weapons uh, buried in certain spots of the earth. Um, is South Mountain one of them? Could be. You know, it could be. You know, that's some of these uh, tombs that I found out here. Who knows what's inside of them? Uh, but yeah, it clearly depicts some kind of weapon was used to shoot uh, at these flying serpents. I mean, if we use weapons today, even a nuclear bomb, hell, they'll just drink that for, for water, dude. They'll absorb wow. that energy in a, in a heartbeat. So we can't stop these things, you know. And uh, so, you know, a lot of these scrolls say uh, uh, that um, uh, they're watchers. They're watchers in the sky. They're, mm -hmm. they're watching. They're waiting. Uh, soon they will make contact with man again. And, uh, you know, when we look at some of these prophecies, you know, it tells us what to look for at the end of days. You know, nobody knows when the end will come, when the great spirit will come back and rule on earth. You know, nobody knows that. Even these angels, even these beings that we see in the skies today, they have not a clue. But they know it's getting closer because this is why we're, we're starting to see more and more of them uh, okay. in the skies today, especially around wartime. Soon as man start, mankind starts making war with, the, with each other, boy, these foo fighters are in the sky. You know, right. just like World War II, they're trying to figure out what were these crazy lights following them. You know, for 30 years, they thought that it was the other side's 
weapon technology mm -hmm. until they finally got together and, and said, no, that wasn't us. Well, it wasn't us either. And then President Reagan comes out and says, what if we were invaded by something on, you know, from another planet? You know, right. Would all of nations gather and unite against these things? You know, mm -hmm. So the presidents kind of know what's going on. I think that they kind of are also kept in the dark. You know, right. I think there's a lot of crazy things that, that the president doesn't know about, but there are people in these high officials that, you know, that know what's going on. And, and they're not, they're not, they're never going to tell us what these things are because of their history. Now, if these things were here to help us, you know, like a lot of people think that's going to happen, all these UFOs can come down and they're going to help us and they can cure cancer and they're going to feed us and blah, blah. No, dude, <laughs> that's not it at all. They're here to conquer us. They're here for us to worship them again. Because look at wow. the beginning. Look at the history of these things. Each time, you know, because, you know, the, the, the natives say that we're in the fourth world getting ready to enter the fifth. Okay. You know, then each time the world ends, man has to start over again, you know, right. because they screwed up the last world, you know, so they got to start again in a new world. And every time the, the, the world starts over again, these things in the sky are here to help them. And to my opinion, look at history to mislead them. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. To all right. And so uh, when we look at what's going on here, you know, it looks like we're getting I mean, when we really look at the world today, we're right in the middle of World War Three, even though the, the nuclear missiles isn't dropping and this and that. We're, we're still, in my opinion, in this type of World War Three. Uh, I mean, we got this biological uh, mm. quote unquote weapon that we're dealing with now here. Who knows what it is? Is it a weapon? Is it a virus? You know, is it somebody from eating bats? Was it made from a chemical lab? What the hell is this thing? All I know is it's killing people. That's part of the prophecy, dude. Part of the prophecy. Everybody knows. These things know that we're almost to the end, that we are at the end, at the fourth world, and we're almost beginning to enter the fifth. Okay, so when this world changes at the end, at the at the end of the fourth world, there won't be any food. There won't be any water. All right, just as it was in the beginning, so it shall be in the next world. So it shall be in the time of the end. Okay, as life as we know it. You know, because we're not going to have any food, no water. There's, the 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 air is going to be you know polluted. We can't breathe. You know, mm -hmm. but yet they're going to see these lights in the sky. Okay. They're going to see these lights, and one's going to come down, and he's going to morph. He's going to shape shift. Okay, he's just—he's telling us, you know, the, the the petroglyphs are showing us. The Native Americans have already told us they're shape shifting. They turn into men. You know, we worship them. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're coming down. They're changing shape. They're going to say, "Look what I can do. I can clean up the water. I can clean up the air. I can give you food." In return, worship me. I am your God. Wow. That's wow. That is the whole scenario that, in my opinion, is leading up to, you know, at first I'm going into this thinking, oh, my God, spaceship, little gray guys, they're here to help us. This is mm. a great thing. And now I'm taking two steps back and I'm like, hold the phone. Look at the evidence that you have discovered over the last 20 years. Look what it's all pointing to. You know, look at the world today. Look what's going on here. You know? Yeah. And, Damn. Uh, so, yeah, and that is my opinion through the evidence that I've collected throughout these over 20 years I've been doing this, you know. And a lot of people, they don't want to look at this. And this is the reason why a lot of cable shows, they don't want to talk about this. You know, Ancient Aliens uh, wants to use Giorgio up there saying, oh, the spaceships, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Path, <laughs> you know? And this and that and just blowing people's 
uh, you know, smoke up their ass, dude. You know, because that is not what's going on here. You know, if they act, if the government actually came out and these cable shows actually came out and said, look, you know, there's flying snakes coming out from that mountain out there. You know, this is this is the true history of these things. Do you think a lot of people would live in that valley today? No, there would be a mass exodus out of that valley and be afraid, in which they should be. You know, this is a scary thing. It's, they're not here to help us, dude. You know, they're here to watch us and to, and to conquer us once again. You know, until until the real entity being comes down. And then again, we're talking about the Viamati War. Again, you have another war for the humans again. History has a tendency of repeating itself. And this is the way the history seems to be pointing in this direction with the petroglyphs, with the stories, with the things in the sky, with the scrolls that have been written over 7,000 years ago, uh, with the evidence that we have collected today, with the biblical archaeology evidence. Everything is adding up and pointing in this direction. Wow. And look, dude, that... if I thought it was something else, I'd be telling you, look, it's something else. No, man, I took a 180 on this shit, dude. I'm like, dude, this is what is happening here, you know? And so the cable shows, you know, once I started bringing this up, you know, they don't want to talk to me no more. You know, they're, they're afraid now. They don't want this information to get out. This is the reason why the archaeologist doesn't talk about this stuff. I was on the news here in Phoenix uh, with the archaeologist talking about these petroglyphs, and he's blowing people's uh, smoke up their ass so big and heavy, you know. But I proved it, dude. I went out there and I, I photographed it. I documented it, you know. But he doesn't mention about Charles Holberg, doesn't mention about the tombs, doesn't mention about the Mayans being here, you know. But I feel that I think that we, you know, just for our names, just for our sake, we need to dig up one tomb you know yeah. whether it's whether it's in our, in our generation or the next generation we need to dig up one tomb all right obviously there's tombs there now you, you can find uh, this information on my website petroglyphsinthesky.net uh, it's all one word petroglyphsinthesky.net uh, there you can find my book and you can find photographs of the tombs uh, you can see some of my ufo sightings there you can find the uh, where you can pick up a copy of my book. Uh, the book is called uh, The Phoenix Lights, Petroglyphs in the Sky, True Stories, Myths, Legends, and UFOs Over Phoenix. Now, this book actually goes into the history of Phoenix. It talks about Charles Holberg. It talks about how to understand um, uh, the rock art. And it talks about when the seasons, uh, you can see them. You know, and, and this was a big secret back. Nobody taught me this. I learned all of this on my own. I learned how to predict when they were going to be here, where they're going to be at, you know, what times, what what months, you know. And and the first year it was great. The second year it happened again. The third year it repeated itself. That was uh, that was the um, um, uh, the the story here. That was the missing link. Uh, that was the pattern, and that's the whole thing on 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 following these UFOs is they come in a pattern. Once you figure out that pattern, then you'll be able to see them. I got a friend of mine who lives on the other side of the world. I can't remember what country he's in, uh, but he's like, dude, I haven't seen any, any after the equinox. I haven't seen anything in the sky. You know where are they? You know, and then the solstice comes around. Boom. He's back there filming them. Now they've come back to that energy spot, you know, and, and, and while he's not seeing them, I'm seeing them over here, you know. So they're jumping from one energy spot to the next energy spot. That's why some people see them over here. Other people don't. After the world turns, after the sun pitches, that's when the, these things follow. They follow the energy, man. It's a pattern. Yeah. Wow. All right. I got a question. I get, I got, I got, 
Woo! I got to take a pee break. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take let's 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 take a pee. Five. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. This is just... ow. Take, take, take a couple minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna do the same. Hey Barry. Yeah. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen a goat sucker? What? Goat sucker. Chupacabra. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those? I haven't seen one personally, but I've heard about them. Yeah, me too. If anybody's got a goat sucking story, wait, if you got a goat sucker story, we want to hear it. If you got a Bigfoot story, we want to hear it. If you got a Loch Ness Monster story, or a Lake Champlain story, or Ogo Pogo story, or uh, an Oingo Boingo story, wait, that, that was an 80s band. Anyway, you got a weird cryptid story, we want to hear it. I didn't even know what a cryptid was, man. Yeah, dude, cryptids. They're like uh, the animals that haven't been necessarily proven by science. They're the ones on the edge. You know, they're not necessarily known animals, but they're known animals. We don't have the bodies or anything like that. So they're kind of like half myth, half story based in reality, but still in that weird mystery area that we don't know about yet. Cryptids are fun. Now, I wanted to ask you about what you think about the Navy releasing that those uh, videos. What What is your take on that? You know, that, that's good. I mean, you know, at least they're taking a step into saying, you know, well, yeah, there's something here. You know, I think we all know that, 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 that there's something here. Um, it, it's glad that they're actually going to come out and, you know, admit it, you know, this time. I mean... I mean, first we had Blue Book, you know, and then they closed Blue, Blue Book down, you know, they got too intense, you know, because they found out what happened, dude. You know, I, that's my opinion. You know, they, they found out that these UFOs, you know, they're, they're not here to help us, dude. They're just the watchers, you know, the history of them, <clears throat> you know, and the public will never be ready for them. That's why, you know, disclosure will never come to pass. You know, I mean, Jimmy Carter promised to talk about UFOs when he came into president. Then he shut up when he did. Never talked to, talked about it again. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. so there's got to be there's something there. And and what's here is their history. The history of these beings is not good. You know, so they will we will never find even if they land on the damn White House lawn, the the government will still say nope, we didn't see anything. Right. You know, they're, they're not going to tell us, dude. So <clears throat> they're not going to tell us that you know their history. That's us. That's for us to 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 find out. You know, that's for us sky watchers and us researchers to go off and and, and discover. And when you do, you know, and, and 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 you disregard all the bullshit hearsay, you know that that stuff that can't be proven. You know, you, you can't go, you can't go, you can't prove hearsay. hearsay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things I, I just I'm not really I'm not a fan of. You know, you need to prove what you say. You know, that's it. You know, right. don't say it at all. If you can't prove it, don't say it. You know, because right, right. there's so much garbage out there already, you know, and, and it's misleading information. It's it's harming the real UFO investigators and, and, and what's really that they're discovering. You know, because now, you know, I post my stuff, you know, all these lights, all, the, all these, you know, these entities. Oh, no, dude, you're filming balloons, yo. Oh, you're filming flares. Why? Because they're brainwashed into looking for spaceships. You know, so when a, a real UFO comes around, they don't know. They don't have a clue because they're brainwashed into other people's, you know, inexperienced uh, um, uh, investigations or whatnot, you know, or, or just selling a book or selling a movie ticket, you mm. know, saying crafts went over, over the city and they can't prove it. 
you know, and, and or I got abducted, things like that. You know, oh my god, dude. <laughs> or, right. or 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 the men in black. See, I dealt with all this shit. I've dealt with this stuff. These things, these airplanes followed me. And you know, in the beginning, I'm talking about white airplanes. When I got to the mountain, okay. I got to the mountain and I filmed this serpent coming out of the canyon. Okay, and that aired on Channel Three TV News. You know, then the black helicopters were following were following me around. Yes, there are black helicopters. I have documented this. You can find my YouTube channel. I have two of them: uh, petroglyphs in the sky, and then the Phoenix Lights petroglyphs in the sky. Okay. The first one, petroglyphs in the sky. That's an old account. I can't get into it anymore. But you can see the black helicopters that I was posting. And um, you know, at that time, I'm watching, I'm watching three three doorways, right out my window. Mm-hmm. Three doorways uh, on the mountain where these things come and go from. You know, so I know that those are doorways there. This black hell. After I did the news report of this black serpent, so I, or this red serpent, I was the only one that saw this. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I I videotaped it coming off the mountain. I know what canyon it came from the mountain. I've, I, I've been to that canyon. I saw the petroglyphs there. I saw the spiral doorways. I Up on top of that crevice canyon, uh, I saw two men looking up at the flying snake. Okay, uh, I know that whole canyon right there is the doorway through the spirals. You know, I knew that that was a doorway. But when this black, after I made the news, after this black helicopter came around, he went right to the tip of that crack there, right to the tip of that canyon. And he stuck his nose right there. Okay, and he hovered there for a long time. And then he took off. He 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 checked out this door here that I was watching, that doorway over there that I was watching. And then all of a sudden, he went to some other doorways that I didn't know about that I put on my list to watch, you know. <laughs> and then and then he faced right there at my window, dude. He nose to nose to my window from from my apartment window to the mountain. He sat there and hovered looking straight at me, man. And then he cruised, he turned, he cruised the over to that, he cruised across the mountain again. He went right back up to where that serpent was. He went to that spot three times, man. And all the other times, he was going to these different doorways on the mountain. But he, he, he uh, at the end of it all, he ended up back at that spot. I'm videotaping all this stuff, man. I've had black helicopters, you know, fly across them, fly around the mountain, and then fly right at me, going right above. Uh, my apartment window there. I got good footage of that. And then, you know, five minutes later, a UFO would leave the mountain there. You know, um, you know, it has everything to do with energy. Okay, mm-hmm. so when the energy starts to build up, you know, it attracts these beings to that energy spot. It opens up these doorways. Okay, mm-hmm. and I've been saying this ever since 2005 when I discovered this. So, you know, I, I do, a, uh, I do a, a Facebook live show on my Facebook page also. And my last show, I talked about the Skywalker Ranch. Okay, okay. and I was watching that show uh, a couple nights ago, episode four, season one, episode four. Okay, in that, they're, they're launching rockets um, with this special technology to, uh, um, to, to measure the energy uh, in the sky. And as they're doing that, this UFO light appears in the sky. Just at the time, you know, when they're analyzing these energy spots, you know, that, that it's, that's been generating there, you know, and then all of a sudden they see a light there. Okay. And then they put, they, they put the two and two con, con, uh, conclusion together that, you know, 
maybe this they're they're you know they're still they're they're still saying crafts. They're still saying, well, maybe that UFO you know generated that energy. They haven't game. They haven't figured this out yet. That actually that that UFO light was there because of the energy. It's not mm. producing the energy. It's there because of the energy. You know, so Skinwalker Skinwalker Ranch has a lot of UFO sightings there. That is the reason why they must be sitting on a fault line there until they realize this. You know, it's all it's all going to be you know all the UFOs generated. No, it's not the it's not the energy it, it, that the UFOs are doing. It's the energy that's already there, and and what month it is in. The sun mm. it's right there aligned with this energy spot to create these doorways, so it, it attracts these beams in the sky. Okay, and so I brought this up on my last. In my last show, you know, because we're talking about spirals and doorways, you know, going into the underworld, you know, on the spirals when they when they go clockwise, okay, it's a doorway in. When a spiral goes counterclockwise, it's a doorway out. When the spiral ends down, there's possible there's if it ends in a crack or a crevice, that's the doorway to the underworld. If it ends down, it's the ground. It's that whole area there, which is the vortex, which is the door. If the spiral ends up. Then there's a vortex, there's a door in the sky. That's when these lights or these entities just magically appear in the sky, right? They're coming through that vortex, they're opening up that door, they're absorbing the energy that is there. You know, so Skinwatcher Ranch verified everything that I discovered in 2005. Look, they're following the energy, dude. You know, they're mm. following mm. The, the sun, the path, uh, the solstice, the equinox, and the solstice, and things like that. That is the secret. And, and, you know, a lot of people, nobody knows this yet, man. I'm the only one that's really figured this out. You know, but I, I keep repeating, repeating myself, look, this is what's going on. I haven't, I haven't stopped saying this, dude. You know, I, and, and a matter of fact, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before. All this information was available back in, uh, in 80 years ago. You know, mm -hmm. after Charles Holberg died, you know, his story was put away, locked away in a folder for 80 years, man. Nobody talked about Charles Holberg. You know, they, they uh, erected his lookout. They put a name on his lookout post out there on this, on this hill. They dedicated a trail, Holbrook Trail, to, to him. But nobody talks about Charles Holbrook and actually what he was doing. And it was wow. because he was protecting the tombs that are there. And I think yeah. one of the reasons why they don't say this anymore is because they don't want grave robbers or, or they don't want tomb robbers going back up right. there like they had the problems in the past. You know, I think that's one of the yeah. reasons why they keep this information, you know, not available to the public anymore um, because of that. Uh, but, in you know, in my opinion, I think we need to dig up at least one. You know, not all of them, you know, leave, you know, all of them alone except for one. Let's just dig up one and see what's there. You know, uh, when I was, uh, I had this one hiking friend. Uh, his name was Jason. Uh, we were hiking on South Mountain, doing doing the trails, investigating the petroglyphs. And uh, he was telling me, yeah, my dad was telling me a story. He says when he was a kid, he was playing hide-and-seek on South Mountain. He says he was he was running to hide somewhere, and he came across this uh uh, this wash was full of sand, and this huge uh, tree uh, was up against uh, up against the wall. He says he went behind that tree, and there was a huge cave, and it opened up, and he and he and he, and he climbed into this opening, and it had stairs that carved down. And these stair these stairs uh, were going down into this huge large chamber. He said he walked down into the chamber, and on top uh, on top was this uh, skylight. 
uh, where the sun was projecting uh, light in the room, hitting the floor. It was like a beam of light hitting the floor. He said he looked around uh, on the walls and he saw Spanish conquistador helmets and breastplates uh, chained up along the wall. He says he got afraid and he got the hell out of there and he never went, went back to that spot. Well, he told Jason this. Jason told me this. And for like two weeks, we went on a quest to try to go find this. Mm -hmm. And it all narrowed down to this one area. And I believe that we found it. It's in my book. Um, wow. it, it's a wash. All right. There's a tree that's sitting there. And the tree has been there, you know, at least from the 1930s. And that's an old, old tree. You know, and behind that tree is a dugout hole. And you can see the debris, some of the boulders that were thrown out and is left there to this day in the dried up sand area wash you know but there's a big boulder put in place there right a big boulder has put in place and over the years you know uh, phoenix arizona has these sand storms or these dust storms and they're called haboobs and mm -hmm. so it's this wall of dirt that goes over the valley well this is kind of covered up um, just some of the hole there, you know, not all of it, maybe like three, three feet of it, you know, and it, it is covered up like uh, kind of the opening, but there's still a crack, just a little small crack where this boulder is closing the door at, you know, big enough for a small child to squeeze in there, just as his, uh, uh, just as his dad described uh, when he was a boy, he had to go past a, a boulder into a cave and, and it, it lead into this huge chamber. So when we when we found this area, he says, okay, you know, I said, okay, so your dad says that there was light coming from the top. I'm going to climb up on this hill. And it's like a little pyramid hill, you know, not a quite erect pyramid, but it's a hill. It's a pyramid mm -hmm. hill. Mm -hmm. I climbed up there, and sure enough, what do I see? I find these huge uh, slabs of stone, uh, uh uh, with each other uh, facing uh, the morning sunrise and it go they go down all the way down to the bottom well you know it, because of all these haboobs and the dust storms over the last you know few few years you know it, there's dirt there now but you can clearly see that these stones has been carved out and chiseled out and placed there in the exact position uh, facing the morning sunrise you know and it cast that would it would cast that light down into that chamber down there. There were some petroglyphs uh, to the left of that. Um, I don't believe that there are Holocom Indian petroglyphs. I don't believe there are Indian petroglyphs at all. It's like some kind of writing, and it's some kind of writing there. And um, I learned that, uh, you know, when the Spanish conquistadors were here, they did use some of the tombs that they located for their own uh, chambers for their own dead, because you know a lot of a lot of the uh, people didn't survive that, uh, right. survived some of that, you know, and they did use some of these uh, Indian tombs that they have discovered or these these caves for tombs for their dead, and uh, there's actually uh, at the end of that wash there's a petroglyph uh, of a king, and it's not a it's not an Indian king, uh, it's a it's a profile of a king. He's he's got this crown on his head, and what does he have? He's got this breastplate on his chest, and he's looking he's looking in between these two pyramids. And so I went because that's that's the secret. Wherever these glyphs are looking at, that's the secret. That's the where you want to go. So I I followed that king's where he was looking all around, and sure enough. I found another like type of opening of another tomb buried, uh, concealed in this pyramid hill right off of central uh, Arizona, uh, central uh, uh, road in Phoenix, Arizona uh, on, uh, on, on South Mountain there. 
you know? So their tombs are still there. I found at least three of them, you know, possibly four, way up high up there on the, on the mountain there. I found maybe another one uh, that I really didn't document it, but I knew that there was, you know, something buried there. But I did document these other three. Now, and, uh, are those are those tombs on uh, like national park land, or are they uh, yeah, part of the uh, the reservation that's out yeah, there? Yeah, see, and that's that's the problem with this whole. That's a big problem here. Um, so when the government found out how holy and special South Mountain is, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 it wasn't named South Mountain back in the day. It was Mount. It was named Mount Sapoa. It's an Indian mm-hmm. name. Mount Sapoa, Mountain of Mercy. All right, and all the Indians from all different tribes and all different nations gathered here at this mountain. This mountain was so holy and so sacred because of these Phoenix lights, because of the these entities that were drawn to this holy mountain. You know, they were they were here for uh, worship and trade and sacrifice and to simply watch their gods. You know, mm. so this was a major spot here in the Valley of the Sun where the all of the native all of the native, native Americans used to gather at. You know. And um, so there's there's tons, even today, there's tons of artifacts left. You know, there's pottery shards. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, you know, can we carbon date the rocks? Can we carbon date the petroglyphs? Well, unfortunately, we can't do any neither of that. Uh, yeah. How we can carbon date some of these um uh, some of how, how we can carbon date, you know, the rough idea on where these people are here is by the pottery left behind. There's the pottery shards. Uh, we mm. can carbon date the dirt. Uh, we can look and see when they were made, you know, what area landscape that it was created. We can also find out, you know, if this pot came is a native to Arizona or not. Did it come from California? Did it come from New Mexico? Did it come from Mexico? Did it come from Nevada? You know, by the pottery dirt you know because and we got a lot of evidence saying that you know uh, that this these pots came from all over not just phoenix but all over the land you know Mm -hmm. so we knew there was a lot of people here and uh so you know when we're talking about the tombs and things like that when the when the government found this out what did they do they turned this into a government state park it's one of the biggest government parks in the whole united states south mountain is and it's because of the tombs and because of the history there is because, you know, the rock, you take a rock home, you go to prison. You know, you can't dig up anything. You find a tomb, you can't dig up anything. You get a fine, you go to prison. And that's right. the reason why they made that park, you know, a government land. They didn't do that to any other mountains, you know, but only South Mountain. Why? What the hell's so special about South Mountain? Is anybody asking this? No, nobody's asking. Why do they make that a government park? What's the significance to that? Well, dude, it's because mm. of all the gold damn tombs that are there. You know, it's because <laughs> of, you know, I mean, dude, look at the evidence here. You know, the government knows there's something there. They quarantined it off. They don't want people there. They tell you to stay on the trails. You know, there's park rangers all over the place telling you to stay on the trails. You know, they, they don't want you in certain areas, you know, because it's all... You know, there's history there that they don't want us to know about. Yeah. Wow. Dude. That is it's intense. A man. lot. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it's awesome. It's over twenty years of research. You yeah. Know? Yeah, you've been dedicated. Really dedicated. Sure, man. Yeah, you've been oh, it's awesome. It's it's just it's just great, you know, because you know, I've seen these things as a kid and then when you start to see them over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then these beings know, you know, it's like 
you know, I'm going to tell you something. These damn black helicopters were kind of watching me way before I started doing this shit. Somebody knew I was coming. You know, because I was walking out of a uh, out of a restaurant with my kid. This damn black helicopter was very low, about um, about maybe a half a mile away, staring at me real low. This is way before I started investigating these damn UFOs. Why is that? Why is that black helicopter staring at me? You know, I started walking towards it. It all of a sudden turned around and took off. You know. And uh, I think, you know, somebody knew I was coming. Somebody knew that I was going to do this. You know, uh, even these damn UFOs knew what my, uh, what my destiny was. My destiny was to bring back Charles Holbrook, to bring back the true history of Phoenix, Arizona, to bring back what the Phoenix life really is, you know, to tell the, the truth, to verify. These things showed me, like I said before, I followed the lights to the mountain, man. Like Moses followed this thing in the sky. These lights appeared to me and pointed me to where to go. You know, it's all, is it, is it all just a coincidence? No, man. I believe things happen for a reason. You know, I saw these things as a kid. It, it got me interested. Why am I seeing these things? It's brought me to the mountain. It brought me to, to here where we are today. You know, it brought me to these cable shows. It brought me to this book. You know, it brought me to the tombs. It brought me to uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona Library, Charles Holbert. You know, all this stuff started when I was a kid, dude. You know, so this obviously was my destiny and it continues. And these things know, dude, they knew, you know, and, and they were like, they were showing off to me. It was really cool. When you look at some of these, these videos, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos of these beings. And when you actually look at it, you know, you, you'd be concentrating on one being and then one will come right in, right in view and say, hey, look at me, look at me. You know, you, you're not seeing me. Look, look at me. I'm going to go right in front of him. Look at me. You know, I, you need to look at me now. Stop looking at him. You need to look at me. You know, so I move the camera toward that guy. You know, and then this other guy would say, no, no, you got to look at me. So then the, the other UFO would come closer to them. You know, so now I got both of them in the picture there. You know, so they, they knew I was watching them. They leave the mountain, come straight at me. Uh, that, that's how I was able to get these shots. You know, these incredible videos of these things coming by my window. Because they were, dude. You know, and, and another secret that I found out is these petroglyphs has the power to invoke these spirits. And I did this, I, I did this on accident. Remember I told you about that red snake? Well, mm -hmm. my son and I was up there in that Canyon and, and I was, we were taking a break and I, uh, I was sitting across, uh, I was in the Canyon sitting across from, from some petroglyphs and I said, Hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. You guys are cool. Why don't you come and see us? Well, then three or, three or four days later, that's when my son's getting ready for school. I'm watching the mountain. Boom. That snake left that canyon right where we were sitting at a few days ago. Climbed in the sky about 1,000 feet. Turned. Came right over my apartment complex and sat there. Sat right there in the sky. Shape-shifting. Turning into a snake. Turning into a cross. You know, doing all these crazy things. Just sitting there right above the damn park parking lot. Right there where I could see him. My son's ready for school. I grab the camera. I run downstairs into the parking lot now. He's still there. I'm filming this thing in the sky. My son is going to school. He's going to uh, to catch the bus. He says, bye, Dad. Love you. I said, bye. Love you, too. Have a good day. That thing looks at my kid, looks at me, looks back at my kid, looks at me. And then and then I hear airplanes. Airplanes are coming. Two uh, white Cessnas on both sides of this serpent um, coming uh, north. 
and and you can hear them. They're getting closer, and that's when this thing started to move. It, it moved. It, it it went over the valley and over it went over uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and went down into the mountains over there by Camelback Mountain. And um, it was just it was just crazy, you know. It knew I was there. I summoned the damn thing out. I, I you know I told it to come out, you know, and. That was not the first time either. You know, I found another spot on the east side of South Mountain uh, that I said, hey, you know, why don't you guys, you know, come and see us. As soon as I got up the mountain, boom, there was one in the sky. I tried filming it, but it was so fast. You know, I mean, I got I got it, but I had to slow down the picture to, to see it. You know, and I was telling my driver, look, you need to go faster because I want to get in front of it and stop so I can film it in front. But it went from from the east side to the west side in seconds flat. You know, another part of the story also, too, is, uh, you know, what we see today on the east side of South Mountain, the east side is holy uh, to the Native Americans, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always been it's always been, ho- been holy. And that's the reason, that's where these, uh, that's where the equinox sun, the solstice sun, you know, comes up from the east, you know, things like that. And uh, so that's where they were burying their dead at, all right. And... Uh, when you look at Google Earth now today, when you when you look at South Mountain on the east side, you can see a lot of golf courses all along, you know, front and back in front of South Mountain. There's golf courses, there's housing complexes there, there's a hotel room, and there's a bar uh, called Rustler's Roost, and that's sitting on the east side of South Mountain now. And I found this map in the Phoenix Library that showed that these were actually uh, burial grounds. Uh, on the east side. All that whole east side is all burial grounds. And uh, when the construction crew was digging up that area to make their golf courses and to uh, make their uh, houses, their housing complex, and to make their rustlers roost, uh, the Native Americans were protesting. Uh, They were out there with their signs, you know, cursing uh, the white man for digging up on their land, digging up sacred areas, disturbing their ancestors. And they cursed the people uh, who are going to live and play on their, on that land, you know, because that's all burial grounds, you know. And, and to the, to this day, you know, people have not a clue that they're living on a sacred Indian burial ground. Who knows if they move the bodies or not? It could be like another poltergeist, but they just yeah. they just put the apartments over the burial ground. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know. But all these areas there, all these golf courses, burial grounds, burial grounds, burial grounds, you know, and. It's just crazy. Wow. You know? Wow. Intense stuff, for sure. It is. Okay, so, um, so you've got uh, your website, which is uh, petroglyphsinthesky.net, correct? Yeah, .net. And, uh, you know, I've got a, a, a Facebook page. Okay. Um, it's Jeff Wolwine uh, slash Petroglyphs in the Sky. Um, there I, I do my my live um, uh, uh, video uh, show on Facebook there, and then and then I, I put the uh, video on YouTube. It all depends okay. on, on how the internet is working. If the internet is slow on Facebook, then I just go to YouTube and I do live there. Make sure you follow me and you like my stuff and spread the information out. Yeah. You know, um, I'm just now uh, I just now signed a contract uh, with the Travel Channel. 
and uh, they're going to be showing some of my UFO videos. So cool. this, there's a new UFO show coming out soon on Travel Channel. Great. So you want to look out for that. You're going to see some of my UFO videos in that. Great. And uh, cool. so, yeah, you know, if anybody has anything that they want to share with me, you know, I, I like to talk about it on my show. Um, I talk about petroglyphs. If you have a good UFO sighting, I'll talk about the sighting. I'll show it. I'll give you the credit. You know, tell me your story, man. Contact me. Great. Like and share my page, man. Let's get this information out. Let's stop yeah, looking definitely. at hearsay and start examining the facts. And this is the facts that I brought with, with me today on your show. This is all documented evidence. I haven't said anything that hasn't been said before in the last 80 years. I have proven this without a shadow of a doubt. Everything that I've said, and I can back it up. A lot of these UFO reachers can't. Okay, they just have yeah. hearsay with no proof. I have proof. I have documented evidence. I have the history backing me up. I have the first park ranger backing me up. I have the Phoenix Lights backing me up. I have the rock art backing me up. I have the Native Americans backing me up. Okay, I am probably one of the most credible evidence researcher out there in the world today. And yet you're probably very controversial amongst the other uh, you know, for oh, yeah. researchers because oh, your yeah. stance. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, it, it's been a battle. It's been a battle. I mean, especially when I started changing my ideas. You know, it's all fun and dandy when you're saying spaceships and crafts and guys mm -hmm. running around, gray men. You know, but once you start changing your views on this, saying, look, this is another life form. These, these are entities, man. You know, these books call them angels, you know, the, right. the Anunnaki and things like that. Oh, oh, no, no, let's shut him down. He's filming balloons. He's filming flares. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not credible because he's not saying spaceships. He's not saying crafts. You know, he's a Bible thumper. He's a prophet Yahweh. All this bullshit, right? You know, and, and it's just, it's frustrating. But I knew I was right. I knew I was right. I'm not faking none of this shit. I, I, all my stuff has been analyzed. You know, all my stuff is real. You know, all the petroglyphs out there has been documented and, and real, you know. And uh, I knew I was right, dude. The evidence was in the Phoenix Library. I brought all this proof out. The, the, the tombs on South Mountain, all this evidence, you know, was here. I knew I was right. You know, I just knew that eventually it would catch up. So, like, you know, eight years later, nine years later, you know, finally, finally, people are emailing me. Dude, I saw a flying snake in the sky, man. It looked exactly like what you filmed. You know, so people are contacting me all over the world now saying, dude, I saw the exact same thing, such and such a time and such and such a date. You know, so now my work is finally coming into play, you know, and I haven't backed cool. down. I knew I was right, you know, and I'm sticking to my guns, dude. You know, so. Good for you, man. Good there for you. you. Yeah, and man, for sure. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on, Jeff. We appreciate you, you know, shedding some light on, on the things that you've done research on and, and your life, your life's work really is, is, is what, yeah, for real. Is what this yeah, is. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. Um, thank you so much. And if you guys ever have another slot, you know, let me know for sure. Say, Barry. Yeah. What's the weirdest job you've ever had? Yeah. That's a good question. It would either have to be the time that I worked at a cattle feedlot or the time that I worked for a Greek painter. Were you his model? 
Uh, not quite. Well, you know, it's funny because one of my weirdest jobs was being in a model in art school. But it was portraits, not full body nude. The reason I'm asking is because those jobs may be kind of normal, but we know people are out there that have weirder jobs than that. Maybe you're a mortician. Maybe you're a scientist trying to bring back the dinosaurs or the woolly mammoth. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. If you guys out there have weird jobs, unusual jobs, crime scene photographer, maybe you worked at an adult educational film set. If you know what I mean, wink, wink. Just something that's unusual, out of the ordinary, and, you know, a little bit weird. Hey, those are cool stories, too. We'd love to hear those. So give us a call or an email or whatever. You know how to get a hold of us. Be part of the community of Weirdsville. Whew. Yeah. yeah, man, like we said, that was a lot. We told you guys that was a lot. A lot of information, a lot of research, a lot of nice work for Jeff and um, Dan, dude. Yeah, kudos to uh, him, man, for, you know, putting yeah. the time in. I mean, you know, this is really something he's passionate about, and you can tell when he speaks, you know, it's really something that's driven him to to find out more about you know, the reasons mm-hmm. why these things have happened and put, you know, all the pieces together and, 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 and fit the, the puzzle together. It's really quite fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And I've not heard anybody else, you know, d- discussing his approach to what these, what the lights were and what is going on there in Phoenix. Right. Um, with these, you know, these beings. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just, you know, I mean, he's drawn all the lines together and he's, he's doing all the research. It's like, it's like one of those, you know, conspiracy detective movies where they got all the pictures on the board and, you know, they got the lines all connecting them all together. Right. It's all brings into one thing and it's, you know, yeah. it's these beings, these, you know, like the, the winged serpent thing. And that's, that, that's wild. It to is me, wild. Man. Um, and I mean, I just, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah. And I mean, we talked to him, it's been a, a few weeks since we talked to him and it's still just something I'm digesting a lot of it. Yeah. Cause there was just so much, so much information. It is. There, it, so. It's interesting that he's, he's, First of all, you know, Arizona has been a hotbed for this kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the way that he's sort of brought the Native American culture and drawn the mm-hmm. parallels there and those those crazy portals that he talks about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't discount it because, it, you know, at this point in time, it could be anything, you know, and it's like, yeah. you know, why not? You know, why not that? Um, and this yeah. is, this is whatever you know information that he has gotten over the years has led him to believe that you know th- this is what's happening and um, mm-hmm. you know it's uh, interesting stuff and I think people will I think people will dig it you know I think people will yeah. will get something out of it you know whether or not you believe yeah. what he's talking about or maybe it opens your mind to okay this is a possibility. Yeah, but if you are interested in, um, you know, in his uh, what he's, his research, you know, and his book, he's got this book. It was the Hieroglyphs in the Sky uh, by Jeff Woolwine. It's W O O L W I N E, and uh, check that out. You know, help him. You know, throw a few bucks. I think it's on Amazon. He said, um, but yeah, that 
you know, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting read because we just heard, you know, a probably, you know, just a portion of it that he shared with us and so much, so much going on and, and just like, just wow. I could see another book on the horizon for him. I don't think he said all that there is, you know, to be said. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's not just stopping. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, you know, he's still researching and he's yeah. still doing and still investigating and uh, that he's going to be doing that for quite some time. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great stuff, man. Yeah. Well, th- thanks again, Jeff, yeah. for coming on and sharing your stories, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Just wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, I guess that brings us to um, to an end for this the episode. This is a long one. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll just shuffle on out next week, Bear. Before we go, um, I'll let you know that next week uh, we have Andy the door bomb. Awesome, awesome. Andy's great and, guy, uh, great guy, great interview. Yeah, very talented yeah. musician and uh, an actor. Yeah. Yes, yes, and and just interesting all around. And ironically, uh, somebody who I had met in the past. When I was uh, touring with with our Lord, and he used to work at um, the well, I I won't tell you what the the origin of his name, but I had met him in the past when we were touring and stuff, and he's another one that Emotron uh, had guided our way. So yes, so yeah, thank you Emotron again, cool. man. The many <laughs> many arms of Tron. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tune in for some crazy uh, psychedelic adventures for next week uh, with our friend Andy the Doorbum. So, and until then, everybody, please be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. Stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.